0: Can we walk this road together? I can't travel it alone. I need someone beside me to help me find my way back. Hello, this is Dan Prinzen, Executive Director of the Wasmus Center for Human Rights in Boise, with Adam Thompson. Hey there. Welcome to Voices of Idaho. Today we're talking with Philip Thompson, Executive Director of the Idaho Black History Museum. Now, Philip, I happen to know you're native Idaho. Actually, a long line of native Idaho.
1: Yes, sir. Sixth generation. With me, my daughter is seven.
0: In your experience in defining what it means to live and be in Idaho. Where do you see that spiral of injustice playing out?
1: Although I think Idaho has been um, great and almost uh, this, this quasi utopia as far as a diverse group of people living amongst each other peacefully, we still also fall victim to the spiral. And in the biggest way I've seen is would be avoidance. Um, one thing that I've noticed, especially speaking with people, is once they can open up and talk to somebody who they first think is on their side, they relax, they talk, everything flows well. But in my case, when they come to the real resolution or the realization that I'm a Muslim, they're shocked because number one, they've never spoken to a Muslim one on one before. And that commonality that we have as two people living in Idaho, loving Idaho, enjoying Idaho kind of flies in the face of everything they think about Muslims. Like, well, wait a minute, Muslims are something foreign or something strange or something exotic or something that I don't know. Oh, I know all
0: about them cuz I've watched TV.
1: Exactly. So it's that the need for that personal connection um, predicated on just, "Oh, hey, this person is a human. Let's talk." And the fact that I'm in a black history museum the last thing they're assuming because of the you know the the legacy of the black church, it in fact is a former black church, it's a black church built by my family. One would assume, and my name's Philip, biblical based, that oh, he must be a God fearing Christian. No, actually, you know, the tattoos on my body, the Arabic on my arm, my Muslim child, he's a practicing Muslim.
0: What happens when you start breaking my assumptions? Like you said, I assume but you're breaking all my assumptions.
1: It's been a beautiful thing. I'm a really, I've learned a lot about humans working at the museum, that it's the most effective way to get past that initial, because you see the shock in their face, but they're kind of, they've, you, you, you've confu- I call it a short circuit. They've confused themselves because it flies in the face of everything they thought they knew a Muslim to be. He's speaking highly of his mother. He's speaking highly of his daughter. Evidently, he doesn't have a problem with women. He's speaking highly of his grandmother. Um, he's much more progressive than I would think, even though he might be personally very traditional. He has no problem fighting for the rights of those who think otherwise or think differently or may not, or may not directly um, in keeping with his school of thought. That's antithetical to what they think Muslims are. But then again, I always ask him, like, but for the reference, how many Muslims have you actually spoken to?
0: How many people do you actually know
1: Exactly.
0: You know, that's our whole concept, even with this podcast, The Voices of Idaho. When we lump people together or we try to associate by a group or marginalize because of association with a group, we have just eliminated the personhood, okay. the voice, the face of the individual with it. So you've identified in the experience that uh, the level and the spiral avoidance. Why does that one hit you so as framing the experience?
1: Avoidance is what's necessary in order to do the rest of the spiral. Although it's not necessarily first, it is the key. Anytime you have a group of people who want to... ostracize or create a second-class citizen status and stick you in it, the first thing you do is remove the humanness of that people, whether it be caricatures in like American history of blacks, whether it be um, Hitler and Nazi Germany with the Jews, whether it be fascism in Italy, the first thing you have to do is remove their commonality as a human. The moment you do that, everything else is acceptable i mean look at like the hutu and tutsi in um in africa it's the same thing mm-hmm. you're lesser you're you're not quite as good as we are they're one of those
0: so if i can put you on the margin and dehumanize and in essence not come in contact with you i'm going to avoid
1: and that's the most important cuz you can't dehumanize somebody that you're actually having daily dealings with know. that's why integration forced integration um, neighborhoods where you actually have uh, a, a very uh, um, a diverse set of people living there. Why is why that so scary? Because it destroys all these little things that we've been taught we're supposed to believe. But then like, well, no, I know somebody who's completely the opposite of what I've been told they, what these people are. And because of that, those barriers start to break down. We have to have relationships if we're hoping to get a, um, ahead of this in any way, shape, or form.
2: This is Shauna Newman's My Love. You hear on the news, gray skies turn blue, but you listen to my mind and nothing's fine. So I give in to the sin and forget to take my medicine. I slip into that space because the world is hard to face. I get sleepy eyes, then I say goodbye. What they did wasn't right. I should have had those rights. They tied me to that fence, thinking I would repent. They didn't like my ways simply because I was gay. I will miss my loved ones, but He will always be my one. Whether I go to heaven or hell, I know that He'll be with me in the end. Hopefully, one day, they will change their ways. Maybe they will learn acceptance is yearned. You may not love us, but He does. We are still loved from above. I like that
0: concept. We have to have relationships. It's when the person gets recognized when we begin to discover we have more in common than we think, or than that which separates us. There has always been that piece that we have to recognize the differences, but we can celebrate them.
1: Or nothing else. I mean, even just my own laziness, I don't even have to celebrate that difference. Just be aware of it, acknowledge it, and then keep it moving, because really, at the end of the day, that difference is insignificant. You're human. Okay, let's keep it moving from there. That's enough commonality for us to deal with each other. I can't have all these um, prerequisites in order for me to treat you like a decent human being. Yeah.
0: Okay. When we're talking about treatment, let's pivot to it. Because in our terminology or concepts in our programming, we're talking about being an upstander. That's how we treat one another. That who is there that's going to be willing to speak out or step up when they witness here in justice, when you think about the roles of upstanders in your life, who's the model you go to?
1: Uh, Dorothy May, I and Hess Johnson, my grandmother, yeah. and my mother, Cherie Buckner Webb, because um, women in my family were much more a, a matriarchal family. Women run things in, in, in the Buckner household and the Johnson household. And so they were never one to hold their tongue nor to let an injustice thrive, nor to feel the need to be meek and quiet. Um, I come from a long line of hellraisers. That's what you, you're supposed to do. I tell my daughter that whenever you witness an injustice, even if it's minor, you, you need to speak out and say something because once you do, you take that initial step, more often than not, a second person who didn't want to be the first one to say it will, you know, like, oh no, I understand what you're saying. Yes, let's stop this. But it takes that first person to acknowledge the injustice to often get other people to follow suit. If you're not willing to be that first person to say, no, this is wrong. We cannot do this. It just goes on forever and ever. I mean, I've got this little cornball quote I put on everything I write, that apathy in the face of um, transgression is complicitous. If you allow it to happen, you're equally as guilty. You may not be committing the act, but you're doing nothing to stop it.
0: I think that's what I'm almost afraid of right now because the silence has been deafening.
1: I mean, I I love Idaho. I can't say that often enough. I know Boise is not Middleton, is not Moscow, is not Idaho Falls first time this weekend. But Idahoans typically, in my mind's eye, are fundamentally good people, good hearts, good whatever. But it worries me that there has not been more of a push from those, regardless of political affiliation, saying, you know what, this isn't Idaho. This notion of ostracizing those we deem different, um, we don't do that here. Because I've always told people, like, yes, Idaho is traditional. And yes, we might be red, for lack of a better word, but it's a very traditional libertarian, you do you, I do you, um, I do me red. That's why you have, you know, the oldest synagogue west of the Mississippi. That's why you have a very successful, if not the most successful refugee resettlement um program running in Idaho. That's why you have a Mennonite population, a Mormon population, a flourishing Muslim population, because we allow people to do what they want. You have a huge um, secular, atheist um, cross-section of the community here. But we coexist and we get along because we respect that. That's the Idaho approach. Treating you respectfully like a human being, we may not be um, unaware and may need to be brought up to speed as far as some of the um, customs and practices but we let you do you and I'll do me more power to you. So for us to sit back idly and say nothing in the face of quasi-fascism and the drums of xenophobia and hey, we need to get rid of these type of people, that's terrifying because it may be me today, but I guarantee you next Tuesday, they're gonna come for you too. And that's what's most fearful about what's going on now. You've gotta stand up and say something.
0: We introduced that your daughter's seventh generation Idaho. What's the Idaho you want for her?
1: Um, I want an Idaho that was much like I had other than more of the other living there. Because Idaho's changed drastically in like the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So um, the mosque I attended as a child was probably twice the size of this room. The mosque she attends as a child, we have like four to 600 people there every day. She's been to synagogue a few times. She goes to my parents' church once in a while. That's the Idaho I don't want her to see that it's just this um, fluidity that you can observe and even participate in the traditions of others. That doesn't diminish or lessen yours. We respect each other as humans. I want her to understand that yes, you're Muslim, yes, you're black, less you're from Idaho, But those are just um, aspects of what you are, not all you are. And that doesn't in any way, shape, or form separate you from somebody who is not that.
0: Yeah. I think what you've just framed there really speaks to what is at the heart of the Idaho Anne Frank Human Rights Memorial. That is the message that begins to echo throughout. As we note, the memorial is filled with words. What's etched into the stone there that speaks to you?
1: um the biggest one to me that really resonates i think it's twofold it's the simplicity and it puts it flips on the head we've heard in many other traditions and it was by um confucius or master kung it says what you do not want done to yourself do not do to others we often hear the inverse of that you know do on to others as you would want done to yourself but that's very s- selfish to me the issue should be don't do to other people what you don't want done to yourself because that kind of negates all the negativity regardless of how i'm trying to frame it so that's just a beautiful simple can be applied in all scenarios to all walks of life that if we live by that it's just respect
0: which is why we will continue to echo not in my town not in my state idaho is too great for hate thank you philip
1: thank you sir with you right here
0: beside me we'll find our home
2: with peace Um, the second event happened when I was in the fourth grade, and, and these events are kind of representative of my elementary school experience, but they're just two examples. But The second one happened in, when I was in fourth grade, and our teacher had um, hall passes. There was one for boys and one for girls, and only one girl was allowed out of the classroom at a time, or one boy, and one boy at a time. And so there was a day when I took the hallway pass and had gone to the library to check out a book. And I was bent down um, in one of the aisles looking through the books when kind of out of the corner of my eye or with my peripheral vision, I saw a group of girls coming from my classroom entering the library. And as soon as I saw them, I knew there was going to be a problem. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Waspman Center Podcast. That clip you just heard was with Trina Finley-Ponce, and that episode will be coming out next, so check it out. The Voices of Idaho is created by Dan Prenzing and produced and edited by me, Adam Thompson. See you next week.